I'm your host, Dana Giordano, and this is the More Than Running podcast. In this fifth season of More Than Running, I'm branching out to tell more stories that are untraditional from the track and trails and now beyond. More Than Running is hosted on the Sidious Mag podcast network, and every week I will be bringing you new conversations about the most inspiring and insightful women I know and want to know. Whether they're doing amazing things on the track or working tirelessly to promote the sport as industry leaders and entrepreneurs, hear how they found success. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave me a review. Every message and subscriber helps me reach more people who are connected by this amazing sport. With that, welcome to the show. This episode of More Than Running is brought to you by Solomon. Solomon was born in the French Alps in 1947 and has an incredible lineup of road and trail running shoes. I've been partnering with Solomon for the first few episodes of the season to speak to some of their incredible athletes, Courtney Dallwater, Jess Diggins, and this episode, Maggie Montoya. I've been so proud to partner with Solomon and they supported me in my first trail race, which was a half marathon right here in my backyard in Tennessee Valley in Northern California and had an incredible time. The Solomon Women's Half Marathon was a really powerful experience of bringing women together and also showcasing what an event can be for women by providing free childcare and on-site lactation stations. Solomon is really thoughtful and they're creating magic with this why not spirit. From trail running to snowboarding, Solomon's goal is to make gear that transforms sport experiences. So check them out and learn more about their athletes on these few episodes of More Than Running. All right, today we have Maggie Montoya on More Than Running, coming off a stellar personal best 228.07 finish at Chicago. We're recording this only a few days later. Maggie graduated from Baylor back in 2017 and has really just come out as a marathoner making headway in the half and now the full. Uh, Maggie has also had you know, some challenging experiences over the past couple years that we'll talk about too. And really it's just a consistent runner, if nothing else, putting in the work year over year and you know, on and off the track as well. So Maggie, we're so excited to learn more about you on More Than Running, welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's go all the way back to, we don't have to get into college and pre-college and things like that, because I, you know, that's, that's old history at this point, but you live in Boulder, and Boulder is kind of the mecca of running. Let, let's talk about the decision. How did you decide to move to Boulder, and does it feel like, does it feel like home now in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I remember coming to Boulder or to Colorado in high school for family vacation. I was like, oh my goodness, one day I'm gonna live out here. And I definitely thought that was like, when I was older, I had a family, I just make my way out west. Um, and didn't know about running post-collegiately at the time. And thankfully like had the chance to come visit Roots when I was looking for a post-collegiate coach um, and fell in love with Boulder, the team, and moved out here shortly after. It's been phenomenal. So you've had consistent coaching since graduating college. I feel like that's a pretty rare experience these days of people to have, you know, a consistent training environment. What has kind of led to you, you know, sticking with roots running and your coaching setup? 
Um, well, right out of college, I, accident, I actually went home to Arkansas, and uh, Lance Harder at the U of A coached me. Um, as I was trying to figure things out, I trained with uh, Jessica Camilos and um, trained with Dom some, um, Dom Scott, but just kind of was looking for like a post-collegiate like specific team. I was really grateful for everything that he helped me with out of college, but um, knew that I needed like a a set team to join. Um, and it, I don't know, it's just been a great team where there's a lot of good balance, low drama. Um, we all just have fun out there. Don't take it too seriously most of the time, but uh, it's just a great environment. So if someone was looking to join Roots Running, how would you describe any said low drama, consistent environment, fun time, but what would be your elevator pitch of like, <laughs> why this team? We have fun. We love self-deprecating humor, uh, but we get after it and the results show it. If you want to be like a marathon or runner, I mean, we have some track people, but if you want to be a distance runner, like we have some really good marathoners on the team. So Meg, you're like, you're like me. You love the 3K. You were a track girl, you know, pretending like you're a middle distance runner for a while. I think you have to <laughs> shed that title now that you've officially moved to the marathon on the roads. Do you think we'll ever see you getting back on the track or is this your new space of, you know, longer distance I'll, road running? I'll probably do some track races here and there, but I think the roads are like, have called my name for a while and I've had success and I think I have more confidence on the roads. Um, and so I think that'll probably be like where I go to ultimately. I, but I'll sprinkle it in some track probably still. Oh, you can't step away. It keeps calling your name. <laughs> I just like there's some still there's still some goals that I want to hit on the track. Like the 10K is really tough, but I'd love to break 32. And I'd love to run under 15.10 in the 5K. Um, so just like some some unfinished business. And I mean, if I never do it, then that's okay. I know that there's goals on the roads, but uh, I'd like to give it a few more shots. I, I totally feel that. As, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, since graduating college, I feel like American women's distance running has really stepped up its game. Yeah. Can you speak to kind of your experience of, you know, training a group with high-level women, but also being in Boulder, one of the meccas of, you know, professional distance running and kind of your experience of witnessing everyone leveling up over the past five years? What has that been like for you? It's been crazy just seeing how it's not just a few people that are just out there demolishing. It's just like women as a whole have just drastically increased. I mean, you saw like how many women qualified for the 2020 Olympic trials. Like that's was unforeseen that that many women were going to be running that fast. And I know that when they lowered the standard, there was still a lot of determined women that was like, all right, eight minutes faster. We'll, we'll do that. Um, and then of course, like, I mean, the two marathons I've done, the American record has been broken after not being broken for several years. Um, and that's been really exciting to, I know I'm like 10 minutes further back, but it's exciting to like be part of it that day, like being out there and that excitement out there. Um, but it's been cool. I mean, it's sometimes intimidating, but I need to just sometimes remember that I'm racing for my own goals um, and try not to think about it too much when I know I'm lining up along the likes of like Kira D'Amato. <laughs> And Emily Sisson. 
Yeah, I mean, you had a pretty stellar performance, you know, running a 70-minute half in January of 2020, which kind of looking back at the past, you know, two years, a, lo- a lot has happened in the past two years. So I'd love to, you know, just highlight mm-hmm. that performance of, you know, the 70-minute half of, you know, stepping up in distance and really, you know, executing a very stellar time. How was How did that race make you rethink about, like, your road career and kind of your professional um, running career as well? Um, I think it helped gain a little bit of confidence and it um, led to me reaching out to Josh Cox as my agent, be like, hey, like I'm ready to like take next steps for running and high performance competition. And he's helped me a lot with that. And I think it's just like that performance, like so many people ran really well that day. And I think just coming off of that, um, was exciting to um, see what was next. I mean, I qual- I got chosen for the world's team. Um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, didn't oh get to do that. Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. But yeah, my teammate, uh, Willie Milan, and I got chosen. Um, but the U.S. didn't send a team, so we didn't get to go. Would that have been your first USA jersey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even got the message, the notification that the gear was on its way, and then they pulled it. You're like, just in the box. So I never got it. You're like, just send Yeah, it. just in the box. One, one thing. <laughs> I believe Kier D'Amato was also yeah. supposed to be on that team. And that before with the World Championships mm-hmm. in the summer, that would have been her first USA kit as well. Yeah. I think she had a very similar experience where she was like, just send it. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> just to say you did because, um, I mean, yeah, since we didn't get to go, we didn't do it, obviously. So you mentioned that you had reached out to Josh Cox after that performance. Was he, he was not your agent before that? Mm-mm. And no, I was like super nervous about it, but like he's an agent for several of my teammates. Um, and like, I was kind of, they're like, just go, just go talk to him. Like you gotta like start communication if like you want an agent. And I was like, oh no, I still like wasn't quite fully confident in myself about even after running like the 70 because I was I went up to him like after the race mm-hmm. um and I still like didn't think it was quite worth it for me to do it yet because I I was really happy with the performance but I still like it felt like it wasn't real yet um but he was excited we talked and yeah he's been a great help in my career do you think that kind of lack of self-confidence was something that you had struggled with, um, you know, in college, did you feel like you had to, you know, what, like, what was the time in your head that you felt like you needed to run to, to have that? Uh, Not even a, (laughs) not even a specific time. It just still didn't seem real. Mm -hmm. And I still like, I knew I ran like over a minute faster than my goal or like about a minute faster than my goal, but I still don't think I really understood what a 70 minute half was and like now like so many women ran like 67 68 minutes um at like the last houston race but at the time like like oh not very many like it was still like near the top 20 top 25 but i still i don't think i understood what that meant at the time and so i don't think i like i was happy with the performance but i still like didn't think it was quick that crazy (laughs) i guess you know living and training in boulder is a phenomenal place, but you kind of are around like pretty high level competition. I know you mentioned you trained with Dom Scott when she in Arkansas, who was also in Boulder. 
do you think that's something that kind of distorts your view as well of, uh, you know, what high performance is because there's, you're living in a Mecca of elite running every <laughs> single day? Um, I think I've done fairly okay with it. I mean, I think it's different when I line up on race day and the results come out after the race. Um, but from day to day training, like I don't have Strava cause I feel like it would be something that would get in my head if I'm looking at what other people are doing and comparing myself to it. And so I just kind of focus on what I'm doing that day and compare it to what I've done in the past. Um, but yeah, so I don't use, I think not using Strava has been a help for me mm-hmm. to not let things get into my head. That's good advice for a lot of people. I think a lot more people should t- should take that. I am a Strava user, but I I uh, I, uh, I mainly just am too late. I think it's a great resource. I think it's a lot of fun. It seems like it's. I'm lazy to not really keep cool a training to look at. I just it, my watch does it for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. So when you graduated from college, you know, obviously like professional distance running is like a very challenging career. And when you were thinking about like you know how you're going to support yourself. Um, in Boulder, you've, you've always had something else going on. So I'd love to talk about, you know, your other career a little bit that's been paralleling, um, running as well and how you've kind of sought that balance. So, you know, can you kind of speak to, you know, graduating from college and thinking about how you were going to structure your life, um, in Boulder with working and running? Yeah. So out of college, I was planning on going to pharmacy school and like shortly after graduating, college actually was kind of panicking about like I didn't have the end of the college career that I wanted I didn't ever make it to nationals outdoors um and I like for a short time like considered just quitting like I knew I'd always run but I just didn't think I'd pursue post-collegiate running um competitively um and I thought I started studying to go to for the PCAT to apply to pharmacy school um but then I decided to like tell myself like okay just give running a chance and I got certified um, to work as an inpatient pharmacy technician and so I just worked in a hospital for a few months in Arkansas until I moved out to Boulder and then worked in the retail setting as a pharmacy technician and it's been a good career that I think I never went to ended up going to pharmacy school um, but it's been a good career for like still meeting like my curiosity about medicine um, and I think it keeps me busy like I'm on my feet the entire shift but Mm -hmm. I think I almost like that better because I feel like after a hard workout sitting all day kind of makes my legs hurt but like being up and walking around um, I think flushes out a little bit better but definitely during marathon training the eight hours a day on my feet was a little bit tough Oh, I didn't realize that it's kind of that long of a shift. Is that, you know, pretty standard within the retail setting? And can you kind of explain for, you know, those of us who don't know, like kind of what the difference (laughs) is between those two settings are, you know, really basic pharmacy information here. Uh, I mean, both both, uh, settings, like when I worked in the hospital and when I worked in retail is just all on my feet. Um, Because you're in the hospital, you're walking the floors, you're making IVs. um, And then in the retail setting, you're just, you're standing at the counters. You're just constantly walking, standing. Um, I sit during my lunch, um, but the rest of the time uh, is on my feet. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were short-staffed and I was working 40 plus hours, it was, I was training and just on my feet constantly. And I mean, it worked out. I had some of my best training that summer um, because I think I just, that was the outlet. I think a lot of people found running as a good outlet during the pandemic. 
So why pharmacy for you? What was that path? Was there, you know, a family member that took that same career? <laughs> was it, you know, friends? Like, I know you was interested in medicine, kind of. Um, it's not, I don't say it's untraditional, but I would say, you know, as far as the careers that a lot of elite runners have on the side, uh, you hear realtor a lot, uh, recently running store, running store <laughs> but pharmacy isn't exactly, you know, the top of the list, unless you know any of other, you know, pharmacy techs who also are pro runners that I don't. Uh, Phoebe, the 800 meter runner, she's oh, a pharmacist, right? Phoebe Wright. Yeah, I think she did that after retiring. Yeah. I don't know if she ever did it at the same time. Yeah, after retiring. But I think that's the only, like, runner I know that's in that setting. Uh, but my mom's a pharmacist. I actually got to work with her in the hospital, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, that's amazing. Being able to work alongside your mom. And it wasn't, like, weird, luckily. <laughs> like, she, I didn't have to get overly bossed around, but obviously. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Do you have any other siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. She actually just moved out to Boulder last year after graduating college. She's about three and a half years younger than me. And she works out here at Boxcar. So she sees a lot of pro runners come through there. Um, and then I have a brother who's about 10 and a half years younger than me, living back at home. So he's not a pharmacy tech either, I take it at this point. No, no, I think they've heard me complain too many. I, Working retail, I think, in any setting is really stressful, but working, I think, in a healthcare setting in a pandemic has just been a whole nother level. So mm -hmm. I do definitely vent about a lot of my experiences. And so I think that has made it so neither one of them want to do that. What do you wish people kind of knew more about, you know, your side of the counter um, and had a little bit more empathy towards, you know, people working um, at pharmacies? Because I think a lot of people just, you know, assume that the resource is there and don't think a lot about the interactions that they're having on a day-to-day -day basis. So what do you think pe people wish, what do you wish people knew more about, <laughs> um, you know, what you're doing on your end of things? Um, that a lot of things are out of our control. Um, and I mean, the biggest thing that we're having to deal with right now and that a lot of people get mad at us for is um, a lot of pharmacies in the Boulder area have either closed down or have had staffing issues. And so we've had a lot of people transfer into our store, which has been an increase in workflow. And so that's been stressful. Um, but the DEA controls like how much of a controlled substance we can order. And the issue right now living in a college town and having a lot of pharmacies close is that we've been cut off of ordering Adderall. And it resets every month, but we've been cut off like the first week of every segment. And so then we don't get it for three weeks and we just have people who yell at us a lot. And I know that like when you need something to help function in your life, that's tough, but that's out of our control. It's not that we don't want to give you your medicine. It's just <laughs> the DA says one thing and we can't just go over the DA's head. I feel that's one thing. And then flu shot season is very, very stressful. Oh, Okay, well, I want to get there, but I want to ask a little bit more about the <laughs> DA because I find this very interesting. So, like, the district attorney is... Uh, uh, is that drug enforcement Drug agency. enforcement. I was like, I just feel like that doesn't make quite enough to the <laughs> drug enforcement. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. I was like, how is the law deciding how much drug? I feel like they wouldn't know enough. Okay, that <laughs> makes a lot more sense. Pardon my ignorance there. I'm here to learn. No, good. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot more sense because I was like, I don't understand how they could just make up a number and that would be the amount. Yeah. All right, <laughs> flu, flu shot season. 
I haven't gotten my flu shot yet. It's time to go now. Yeah, I mean, this is the time to get it. They recommend uh, October, flu season's October to May. Um, but so, like, in the past, like, I mean, back when my mom worked in the retail setting, like, pharmacists didn't give immunizations. Mm. And then they've gradually given that responsibility to a lot of pharmacies. So pharmacists, we do a lot of vaccinations, like travel vaccinations, just regular um upkeep vaccinations and stuff but flu shot season is like just a crazy time but up until just lately only pharmacists could give shots and i just completed um immunization training yesterday so once my certification comes through i can do shots now and so the technicians are gradually being allowed to help out with that responsibility so i'm looking forward to taking on a little bit more responsibility and be able to help the pharmacist a bit because we get our pharmacist hours get cut a lot and because that's just expensive pay and so that creates a lot more stress on the pharmacist to do all the duties that they have to do and then go every couple minutes to go give a shot and so I think that's another thing that people don't understand is like we have one pharmacist and they're the only person that can give, give a shot at the moment um, and just like most people have patients but some people don't <laughs> but I think you see that in a lot of areas of life true how kind of concerned are you for your health working in a pharmacy i know that probably that answer that question probably was different pre-pandemic than post-pandemic so i kind of (laughs) want to get both aspects of it but you know you're a, a professional runner you know you're spending a lot of time optimizing your physical performance and health and you know the assumption on mind of things not knowing too much is that you know there are sick people coming to the pharmacy every single day. Um, in a pre-pandemic yeah. world, were you wearing a mask at the pharmacy at all, or was that just a post-pandemic? I wasn't, and I'm actually not currently either. Mm-hmm. I got COVID back in July for the first time, but I think I got it from a concert. Um, Probably. Based off like how the timeline lined up with that. Um, but somehow didn't get sick. I haven't gotten sick from the pharmacy. Uh, my theory is just I'm kind of microdosing on grossness every day working at I the like pharmacy that. so maybe that's why <laughs> but I mean I, I do have co-workers like it's like um sometimes but I feel like for the most part we are pretty good and don't really have to call in that often yeah who knew running 80 miles a week would be just you know the robust <laughs> sustenance you need to stay healthy yeah <laughs> so I did in my research of you know kind of learning more about your off the track career Um, I learned that you're actually going back to school to kind of transition away from working at the pharmacy. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, what you're studying for and why you decided to make, uh, you're making this transition as well, you know, uh, in addition to marathon training, keeping yourself busy. (laughs) Love being busy, I guess. Um, So actually back in 2020, I uh, started studying for the MCAT and I took the MCAT and I applied to medical school. Um, but after everything that happened with the shooting last year, I, the application started a few months after that and I wasn't in a great headspace to take on applying to med school and I applied to some schools, not enough, and I didn't have a great application, um, that I feel, and I didn't get into any schools. Um, and that was, I think, tough. So I wanted to take a step back. I knew I wanted to do something else and the health sector. Um, 
And so I was just kind of like went through a crisis of <laughs> over for a couple of weeks. I was just like panicked. I like didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something more than just what I was doing in the pharmacy. And so I um, looked at public health and I was like, oh my goodness, like there's so many things you can do with this um, and you can do other careers. Like there's, there are doctors that come back and business professionals and hospital administrators, like they get their masters in public health and you can do a lot with that. And I was like, this seems like a good opportunity to further my education and open up a lot more doors. And so I started that back in August. Um, it's online through the um, medical school at um, University of Southern California. And I've enjoyed it so far. It's uh, definitely a challenge getting back into school, but I've really liked it and have for the most part been able to find a balance with uh, work running in school. That is definitely a lot all at the same time. And I think that, you know, applying med school experience is challenging enough without, you know, kind of everything you had to go through. It's been um, some time since, I mean, not that much time, I'm sure, since, you know, obviously the, the mass shooting. And one thing I noticed um, is that you have mass shooting survivor in your Instagram bio. And I think that was some, something really brave to have, you know, public as people are, you know, searching in a public setting. Um, how did you decide to kind of like reclaim that identity after, you know, the, the events that you occurred, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I think it's just, it's part of my like part of the dialogue is just part of who I am now. It's something that has shaped a lot of what I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, a lot of decisions I've made have been based around that. So it's it's something that like I won't forget. And I also don't think I should forget for the sake of the people that did pass away that day. Um, like I think being able to survive that event was something that I'm extremely grateful for and like I think being able to I don't know acknowledge going through that and I'm I don't know it's I think just part of part of it's a big part of like what I am and so I put that there just because it's a yeah it's a big part of <laughs> I guess I keep saying the same thing no no <laughs> I mean it's I think it's extremely brave and powerful and you know kind of for people who see this on the news every single day and aren't as close to it as well that there is a little bit of forgetting um but the frequency of events have just become uh, unacceptable in this country and i think it's powerful to have that as a reminder um one of the questions i wanted to ask you was kind of about you know how you've used running as an outlet um i know i read somewhere that you took you know, only two days off of running. Yeah, only a few days. <laughs> only a few days. Um, yeah. So, if you, how did running kind of uh, play play a role there? Because you know, it was twenty 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 one was a big year for running on that side of things as well. So yeah, I'm sure you had big goals in twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was a distraction. I mean, it was a, the distraction that I needed. It was, um, it was like took the few days off because I just like emotionally like couldn't comprehend doing anything else but I went out for a jog when I went back home just to kind of clear my mind get some fresh air and move and I mean you get like 
it's a lot of endorphins when you finish running and I think that brought a little bit of a good feeling I guess back into my body and into my mind and um, and so I knew that when I, I tried not to get too lost in what I was feeling um, by trying to like I had qualified for the Olympic trials for the 10k and so I was like okay I got a couple months I'm just going to focus on that that's like something that I can look forward to be happy about um keep my mind focused on and unfortunately two weeks before that got injured with my first stress fracture uh so that was your first stress fracture ever yeah that's the worst timing ever. I'm so sorry. It was terrible timing. It's okay. I was, I know, in, I'd flew I was injured at the <laughs> Olympic trials too. That was a tough time. <laughs> yeah, it was not fun. I'd flown out to New York uh, and like I'd had some like, my back was a little achy, but I didn't think anything of it. Like I was still able to run the day before. And then I got out to New York and I went for a shakeout in Central Park and took just a few steps and it was just shooting pains and pulled out of the race and yeah, found out that I had uh, like a grade one stress fracture, stress reaction, whatever it was, it was on my sciatic. Uh, and so that just was a really painful spot. So I would to say probably one of those challenging 2021s of uh, anyone. Yeah, I, I definitely had like a breakdown when I got the results of the MRI because <laughs> I was like, like this sucks, like this isn't what I need. This is like, this is like the one thing that I had to look forward to. How did you kind of go go on from there? You know, we're now over over a year from the trials and, you know, obviously yeah. a few days off an incredible performance. Are you the type of person that, you know, sets sets long-term goals or is figuring out on the day-to-day basis? Um, and was it kind of mixed that? Like, how did you process, you know, that major disappointment, you know, managing a very traumatic experience and kind of coming out the other side. I mean, luckily it was a bolder summer, so a nice time of the year to, you know, sit back and reflect, but cross train. Cross train. Okay, that that's it. Put all your energy into cross train. What's your what mode of choice? It'll, Bike? Swim? I did a lot of aqua jogging. Um, but there's a nice outdoor pool and one of my teammates, um, Lexi, she was unfortunately also injured. And then my roommate, uh, had an injury for a little while. So I kind of cross trained with both of them. So I had company. I mean, unfortunately they were also hurt, but we were down, down uh, about our situation altogether. (laughs) Um, but I think that helped like having company and like meeting up with someone keeping me accountable and. I was planning on doing a fall marathon in 2021 is what my goal was. But of course, when the injury happened, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get back in shape for like Chicago or New York. And so Houston seemed like the reasonable marathon to do. And so that's what we set our goals for. And gradually like came back into it. My first race was, I just doubled my distance, every distance until the marathon. I did a 5k, 10k half marathon and then uh, Houston. Um, it was kind but, of a fun project to think about it that way of, you know, you had pretty much had like yeah. a, a blank slate to reset in, the, in a way. Yeah. And luckily, like everything kind of went well. There was no major hiccups or anything. And uh, I was really glad that like that that one worked out. How was the community support, you know, throughout that marathon 
build, um, you know, from your teammates, friends and family as well? How did you kind of, um, like, how did your community come together during that time? Um, I mean, we were, I mean, my family was super excited to, that I was doing a marathon. They like booked tickets to get down to go. I guess they drove down to Houston, but to go watch me and they were really excited about that. And, um, it was a bit of a lonely buildup. Um, like my teammates were either hurt, training for something else or taking a break. Um, and I found that a winter buildup was exceptionally tough. Like my last long run was just like blowing winds and snow and, uh, that was tough. So I loved this buildup way more than that one. But I think that there, my excitement never wavered because I was looking forward to that marathon. I had so many people around me that were excited about it and um, had a lot of support. And a lot of, like most of my teammates had done a marathon. So I, they were able to help me kind of figure things out or like understand like all this distance and the depletion runs and mm-hmm. the long runs. And so it was a... A good group. How how validating was it for you having, you know, a, like, how would you rate your performance at during your first marathon, first of all? And then, um, yeah, let's, let's start there. How would you rate your first performance in your marathon? Um, I don't know. I'd give it, like, an A minus. Uh, <laughs> like I was really happy. My goal was to break 230, so it was really happy like when like 229 um and a couple like a day or two before the race like NAZ came up to my coach and uh asked like oh like what Maggie's what is Maggie planning on going out with and um the goal was similar to what Alice Wright was doing and they had a pacer set up and um just ran with them it felt like effortless like for the first and how that's how the marathon should be it should feel pretty easy for most of it like controlled um and we passed like the third place woman um around halfway and so that was like exciting like and we had a lot of guys we had a couple girls in the pack and then when we had 18 miles and I knew the pacer was going to drop out I decided to like that's when I was going to take off and try to put some distance between me and Alice and so like I felt like I made a good move um and then at like 23 miles, like I turned the corner and like the second place woman I saw, had like stopped and started walking. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in second. Like it was so exciting. And then when I hit like the last mile of the race, that's when it all, like the fact that I just ran 25 miles beforehand all set in and it was terrible the last bit. And Alice uh, kicked me down in the last little bit, uh, but it was, it was good because like, I mean, we did the whole race together almost and we still ended up all three being, we all were top three still. And so there's nothing lost from that. And uh, it's crazy, like coming down to the end of a marathon and it's like a photo finish basically. Yeah, I haven't made that step. I, I always joke. I'm like, I think it's now the closest in my life that I've ever even considered thinking of training for a marathon, you know, as someone who's you know, done the faster stuff on the track and kind of taken this bigger volume leap. How would you describe, like, what's your style of running and training? Yeah, what's your style? I love the high mileage stuff. Oh, wow. I love long runs. Yeah. 
Like, I love doing that. And I don't like, but it's crazy because I don't like doing doubles. So both my marathon buildups, I only did one double each. Um, so I would do like my 109 mile week was all in singles. Um, but it's just kind of like with work, like I, it's, I don't want to run in the dark by myself after work to get in a double. And I don't want to have to do a double with schoolwork and stuff. And so I just kind of do it all in the morning. So I have what I need done and then can focus on the rest of my day. Um, do you strength train as well? But, like, where does that fit in to the time? Uh, yeah, like once a week, once every other week. I mean, we do a lot of other stuff, but like mm-hmm. weightlifting and stuff like we do after some of our, like our weekend workouts. You fit in it, fit in it all in. Yeah, it all, it all works out. It wasn't too, too bad. Um, but I mean, I definitely love the long distance stuff. I love, love the long runs. I mean, doing a bunch of mile repeats, I think is tough. Um, but for the most part, I love like the, the long stuff is a lot of fun. So after, you know, super challenging 2021, 2022 has been shaping out to be a pretty great year for you as well. And one of the highlights I think of this year was, you know, signing a sponsorship with Solomon. So <laughs> I, you know, we've been brought together by Solomon. There's just a couple of other episodes on more than running uh, with some other Solomon athletes and um, just really investing in women in, you know, the U.S., mostly in other categories now but really making a push on the roads and Maggie I believe you're the first um women's road athlete for Solomon in the U.S. so uh can you share a little bit how that came to be and um is this your first official sponsorship uh yeah first special sponsorship when I first joined Roots we were sponsored by uh 361 it was like a team sponsorship we got some gear and stuff and I mean, free shoes are great. Like, I was extremely grateful for that. Um, but we decided to, like, with the shoe technology that was changing, like, we wanted the opportunity to be able to race in what we wanted to race in. Um, but, yeah, this is first individual thing. It's the thing I've been striving for this whole time. I mean, I was going to keep running no matter what, but it's validating, I guess, to be able to have this opportunity and join my teammate Noah and, you know, be some of the first roadrunners for Solomon and, grateful for the opportunity and it's been fantastic like almost unreal like they sent me some shoes to try on like at the beginning of discussions like back in the summer and I like had just had a really bad day um and I came home and I saw the box and I was like well this is cool I guess (laughs) but I was still like in shock like I still don't think I really understood what was going on yet just because it was just like just had dealt with a bunch of stuff and um but then like love the shoes um, and like began the discussion, like more of a discussion with Solomon and what that would shape out to be. And um, it's been crazy, but it's been exciting. What were kind of your preconceived, I mean, obviously you had Noah as a teammate, so you knew a little bit more about Solomon running than other people, but what were kind of your previous like preconceived notions about Solomon as a brand? Uh, that they were like an adventure apparel uh, like they were, you had, like you saw them in the trail running and the ultras and everything, like everybody wearing like the water pack vests. And, um, and so that I didn't know much about them before Noah, um, really. I mean, I knew that about them like in the trail and mountain running sense and seeing like the logo and everything, but never thought anything about like road running or had gone and looked at shoes online or anything. <laughs> so, uh, it's been really cool to be part of something new. 
as far as you know the the process of signing a contract how did it happen really quickly for you i know you mentioned you you know received a pair of shoes in the summer um what kind of from end to end um you know working with josh cox your agent how how was that process and uh how excited were you along the way that these conversations were happening and your performances were being seen um I'm really excited. I still, I think I held back. I was really excited. Like I told my family, I told my roommates, but for the most part, like kept it pretty quiet. Cause I like didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want it to, this to be in talks and then nothing happened. Um, Cause like, I just, I didn't want to get my hopes up. And then like I told people and it never happened. And so I could just kind of like try to keep like a realistic, like expectation, like, this is a great opportunity, but in case it doesn't happen, don't get like too excited. Um, but it happened and it went through and it's, it was just so exciting. And um, I mean, it takes a couple months, you know, you try on the shoes, you talk out deals and you sign and then it gets released once like some video content gets made and stuff. So it's a, it's a bit of a process, but entirely worth it. And um, yeah, extremely grateful. What what kind of difference does it make, you know, for you having, um, you know, this sponsorship support now? Like, have you been able to make any lifestyle changes um, because of having a full-time sponsor? Have you really just kept things the same and this is the added um, support needed? Um, I cut back on my work hours, um, which was perfect because I needed, wanted to be able to for work done and so I knew I was gonna need to cut back on hours but I was worried about how I was gonna be able to do that and be able to afford like flights and all that still and so I think it's been something that has helped me it takes a little bit of stress off being able to still reach the goals that I want like make it to the races work on my school and be able to hit those goals with a little bit less stress now because I mean money's not everything but you do need it to for some things. And so it helps like being able to have a little bit less of a burden to reach your goals. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is, it does make such a big difference to be able to, you know, we, we live in the U S and racing in the U S especially now with flights has gotten crazy. Like flight prices have tripled in the past year as well. So even just having, you know, that support to be able to not have that be a factor in deciding which races you go to or, uh, luckily you, mm-hmm. luckily you live and train in, in Boulder. So you're not doing crazy training camps anywhere as well, but Boulder yeah. is a pretty expensive place, um, to live and train. Yeah. Too. I think we lucked out with like where we live. Uh, we live in like a, I mean an old house, but there's four of us living here, three dogs. And so it's, it's a manageable rent and everything. I don't think I could, uh, pull or want to like live as in like a one bedroom apartment. I really do like having company. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty manageable out here. Are any of the dogs yours? One of them is mine. One of them is my teammates, Will's, and one of them is my sister's. I didn't realize you'd live with your sister. I, you said she moved out there. I didn't realize she moved in with you. Yeah. That's so excited. <laughs> yeah, she moved in with me. Yeah, it's been it's been great because, I mean, I hadn't like lived with her, obviously, since 2013 when I went off to college. Besides, like, well, even when I came home for, like, a few months between college and moving out here like she was in apartments down at the U of A um so it's been great living with her I mean we used to fight like siblings back in school but we get along swimmingly now and it's 
fantastic. I love that so much. So you've, you know, run a personal best this year. You find a new sponsor. You're now living with your sister. When you're thinking, and you're 27 years old, is that right? Mm -hmm. You know, as you're looking to, you know, the next five years of your career, what are kind of some big goals you can speak in to existence and what do you want, you know, your legacy in running to be? You're an extremely modest person who, you know, has been, you know, chipping away huge chunks of time, you know, in the marathon and, you know, really progressing within the scene. Uh, what keeps you what keeps you in the sport and what do you want to accomplish? Um, I definitely want to keep improving upon the marathon. I've having a lot of fun with it. It's the energy is unlike anything else out on a marathon course, especially in Chicago, just every 26 miles, the entire 26 miles, there were people at like every foot of the course cheering you on. And that's something that is almost addicting. Like you want to go back and you want to experience that again. And I can't wait for my next one. And so like, I want to continue progressing in the marathon and be able to experience that and race with some of the best people in the world. And, I may be 10 plus minutes off the best in the world, but I hope that I just get a little bit closer each, each marathon. And I mean, hopefully running, I'm hoping to one day run in like the low 220s would be a goal that I think is pretty achievable um, and something to like look forward to and um, and just be like, have no regrets. I hope that I just get everything that I want out of running yeah just walk away from it one day with um full heart and grateful for everything that happened well i'm definitely excited to see that happen what as you finish you know we got to touch on chicago a little bit i didn't want to get too deep in that because i wanted to make sure we learned enough about you but you know chicago (laughs) marathon personal best uh you know fabulously executed race i saw the most adorable Thing you posted in your story that your sister surprised <laughs> you during the race and you I know that was the best surprise she had me fooled like that she wasn't coming out um because she was just like yeah I have to work like nine days in a row and she was hoping that I wouldn't figure out the math of when she first when she started the nine day street because it ended on Friday which means that she was going to fly out on Saturday but I thought she worked through the weekend because I was like do you work this weekend like honestly I'll fly you out I want you out there she's like yeah I have to work and I was really bummed about it and then they thought I saw her at mile two and I didn't I thought that maybe it was her but I was like no she had to work she wouldn't come out here (laughs) she couldn't come out here and then I did a double take at 17 when I passed my my family and my roommates uh cheering and I was like oh my goodness that's her and I like definitely had a surge that maybe was a bit of a too much of an adrenaline rush, but it was so exciting. I was like, oh my, because Ben was pacing. I was like, oh my goodness, Ben, that's my sister. <laughs> He's probably like, cool. Like everyone has family here. <laughs> probably had no, yeah. Was like, yeah, like, duh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she wasn't supposed to be out here. Oh yeah, it was so exciting. It was, I'm glad they caught that moment because it was, it was incredible. Like I was, it was the best feeling. Uh, it was definitely so special, and I and I wish I, we had it in, like, all the angles, high res, because you really just look forward, you do double take, like, you put your hand to your mouth, like, 
really good, yeah. really good pictures as well. I mean, that's the funny thing about the marathon is I don't think you people realize like how like how much you're aware of your surroundings. Obviously, like you know, probably that last six miles, you're in the pain cave and your head's down. But I had tunnel, yeah, tunnel vision, yeah. <laughs> but you know, Chicago, it's like you're running on really large roads as well, so you kind of have some open road to really take it in and observe your surroundings, which I think is really cool. And you guys got the most perfect weather day, I think, of all time for marathoning, if that's if that's right. I know. It was, compared to last year, I mean, it was fantastic. But yeah, I'm so glad that it was nothing like last year. Like, I don't know how people finished last year in those conditions. Yeah, I was a spectator last year, and I wore a long sleeve at the start, and I was running around the city in a sports bra by the end. I was like, I'm sorry, Chicago, but yeah. it's too hot here. It's too humid. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, it was insane. So, like, super grateful. Like, everything lined up perfectly. And, like, I think one of Sarah Hall's tweets was just, like, when you get a day like tomorrow, like, you go for it. And a lot of people did. So who are some of your, you know, peak mentors in in the sport right now? Like, who are the, some of the people you look up to and kind of communicate to, like, get some advice of, uh, you know, now that you're a marathoner as well? You know, you mentioned, you know, checking out Sarah Hall's tweets. Like, who are some of these people that, uh, you know, they're aspirational, but you're coming into their same category right now. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, so many ladies. Um, I mean, there's, um, ever since, like, I finished just a few seconds behind Kira Amato at the 2020 um, Houston half, and that's the closest I've been to her since. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough it's thing like, to do. <laughs> yeah, um, but I've been at a lot of races that she's been at, and so it's just, and she's always, like, such a, kind personality and loves jokes and like she keeps she keeps it um the keeps it light out there that's a good atmosphere um and so it's like cool seeing someone like crush it and then also enjoy just enjoy the process enjoy life and not that no one else does but it's fun to see and i mean you got emily sisson breaking crazy several american records like this year gets two of them shortly after they get broken and then um, I mean, now Rojas, like, it's been crazy seeing her progression, and then, like, Emma Bates and Laura Three are two people that I interact with the most here out in Boulder, like, um, friends with them, and, like, my roommates, really good friends with them, and so I see them a lot, and it's, like, really cool interacting with them on a personal basis, and then seeing them just, like, getting wisdom from them in the marathon, and then seeing them crush it, and it's cool, it's exciting, and crazy crazy world to live in <laughs> with uh, American women's American distance running right now I know so a little break right now and then what's next no clue <laughs> um we talked about maybe doing club cross as like a team kind of bring everybody together oh, come but, to my um, city come to San Francisco yes yeah I know it'll be fun you have to come um, we finally have enough ladies to do um have a team but we'll have a lot of people coming off of CIM so uh, it could just be, a, at least for the guy side, I think that's, that'll be a tough com- doing a cross-country race right after a marathon, but I think it'll be fun. I hope, hopefully we do it. That would be the hardest double ever, a marathon, like a week before a cross-country race, but I think it would just be funny as long as you don't get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine like just spiking up after a marathon is foreign. So key takeaways, for, I've got a couple more questions for you, but key takeaways from 2022 how how is this year you know you've you've accomplished so much the years you know we still got a couple months left but 
you know, thinking back on this year, what's kind of your biggest uh, takeaway that you have right now? Oh, exactly. I don't know. Just having fun with training. I think it's just having fun with it. It's been a blast. Um, like I did a few track races, um, but was having some foot issues running in spikes. And so came away from the track, but I did get a PR on the 5k, which was really exciting. Um, and I didn't think was going to happen because I felt super sick before lining up. Um, but just like having fun with training has been, been a blast and, um, having, like training partners and stuff. I mean, we still have like some teammates that are injured or just joining or uh, my teammate Aaliyah is pregnant. Um, yeah, but uh, I had my teammate Jen for almost the entire buildup. And so I, it's been fantastic having that company and I can't wait to see what she does for her marathon at Valencia. Oh, it's, that's the best when everything's clicking, clicking on all cylinders with so many people. Mm-hmm. My last question for you today is, you know, someone who, you know, you said in the beginning of this, you never qualified for an outdoor NCAA championship, and now you are placing very high up in world marathon majors. What advice would you have for, you know, graduating NCAA students who want a career in professional running? And, uh, you know, as someone who's kind of worked the whole way along the side, uh, you know, if you can give some advice and talk about how you've thought about designing your life to make your goals come true yeah um I mean I think it's like if you want to stick with it and just like enjoying the process like I think it doesn't have to happen immediately and that's kind of hard to think about like you want to you want to be like hitting Olympic trial qualifier time like right out of college and you want to be up there but I it doesn't happen immediately for a lot of people. And I think just sticking it out and doing it. And then you also see a lot of women that leave the sport for a long time after college and they come back and they still crush it. And I think that everybody's timeline's a little bit different. And I think it's just, if you come back to running or come to whatever you want to do in life. And um, I think it's just, it's different for everybody and it's exciting. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, I've kept you for a but, long I mean, time. It's, it's, it's really, no, it's good. I'm just like, I think it's just like everybody's timeline's a little bit different. It's not going to be the same for each person and the opportunities aren't always going to be the same. And, but like, I've loved running the whole way. And I think just keeping my love for it. Like if I ever dread running more than just like not wanting to go out on a cold day, then, um, I don't want to stick with something that I'm just going to dread every single day. And, I think just keeping a love for the sport is important and a love for what you want to do. That's, that's, you know, the best advice I've heard so far. So, you know, thank you. Thank you, Maggie, for coming on and just, you know, sharing more about yourself. I think we all have someone to root for in you and whatever race comes next, whether it's club (laughs) cross or, um, hopefully a marathon or two before the trials. I know I would love to. Yeah. (laughs) Boston. Love to do like one or two next year. I know Boston. I know my parents really want me to do Berlin because we have family in Germany, so they want to make a trip out of that. You're German. Mhm. Yeah, my dad was born in Germany. Like pretty much all the family I know from my dad's side is in Germany. Oh wow! Do you speak German? You should compete for Germany. I don't. <laughs> I don't speak any German. Um, and I tried one time to try to apply for my passport in German uh, for Germany and. I didn't make a really good effort about it, but I got into a website. It was all in German. I'm like, 
I don't know what I'm doing. And then I never tried again. <laughs> hey, take two 2024 is coming, Maggie. You never know. I know. You, you definitely have a bigger clip. <laughs> but it's, it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting to be part of American distance running. And it'd be cool to be able to run for Germany. But I have grown up here. And so um, even if I, like, never make a team because, like, the people You've out here are so team. good. Like, You've made a team. Let's not okay, forget. I did technically let's make let's a team. not forget. <laughs> but it's cool to be part of it. And even if I'm like the tenth woman, mm-hmm. probably still doing okay. <laughs> yes, you are, Maggie. Thanks again for coming on More Than Running, and I super pumped for you. And you know, this year and everything that's coming and Roots Running, um, and, you know, and signing with Solomon. Uh, congratulations overall and uh yeah and just want to say like a huge thanks to family and my coach and my coach who never like stopped believing me i feel like i don't give him enough thanks either <laughs> for everything that he does and um love my team i know check him out thank you for listening to this episode of more than running i can't believe it's been five seasons already almost 50 episodes of the more than running podcast you guys have been with me from professionally running on the track and now to this new stage of my life where i'm experimenting with running my relationship with it and i'm bringing you guys all along the way i truly love this sport and my purpose in this podcast is to amplify voices that i find are extremely inspiring to me and i believe have great stories to share with you guys as well if you ever have any recommendations of someone you'd love to hear on the podcast you know where to find me i'm over on instagram and tiktok at dana geo or at the more than running podcast on instagram more than running is on the Sidious mag podcast network and is edited and produced by mike zerzolo if you like what you've heard of course leave a review subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or just share with a friend Until next time, cheers.